0: And the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said? Amen. 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 You can go ahead and have a seat. Wonderful to pray together. Wonderful to worship together. We're glad that you are here today on this uh, Sunday morning as we're continuing on through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the sermon series entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. And I'd like to actually begin with a, a short video um, how many of you are followers of The, the Chosen, if you're familiar with that? Lots, several of you have done that. That's been something our family has really enjoyed going through the seasons of The Chosen. And I actually just wanted to show a, um, a clip. If you're familiar with it, you'll have seen this before. If you're not familiar, uh, The Chosen essentially is a telling of the story of Christ, specifically the, the motley crew that he called to follow him. And uh, this passage that we're going to look at is Jesus kind of putting his final touches on how he's going to start his Sermon on the Mount. And so he's talking with Matthew, and so we're going to look at that dialogue together in what has been a very uh, uh, meaningful and, uh, and a moving telling of the Beatitudes, which is how we start the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount today, but let's go ahead and just watch that, and then we'll uh, pick up on from there. If you turn your attention to the screen.
1: Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those ...who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you... ...when others revile you... ...and persecute you... ...and utter all kinds of evil... ...against you falsely... ...on my account... Rejoice and be glad. For your reward will be great in heaven. Yes. But how is it the map? If someone wants to find me, those are the groups they should look for.
0: finding Jesus. When we talk about the kingdom of Christ, and when we look at the Sermon on the Mount that he preached, the, the Beatitudes opened, um, what we see is that we are connecting to a kingdom that he brings. And it strikes me that perhaps Jesus would say he wants to be found. You know, that he wants to be found by those who would seek him. Interestingly, um, so, the Beatitudes were Jesus opening for his famous Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. A couple years ago, a few years ago, we actually did a sermon series called The Kingdom Way, where we preached through the whole Sermon on the Mount, and it took us 24 weeks. And I just found it sort of an interesting contrast that, like, now we're doing the whole Gospel of Matthew in four weeks. So if, <laughs> if you're feeling slightly shortchanged, uh, you can actually go back. We keep all of our sermons uh, cataloged, and some of those messages are really wonderful. Uh, just looking at the, the teaching of Christ, the words of Christ, who is the living Word of God... Uh, and his words captured in the written word of God is such a powerful, powerful thing. So I'd encourage you, if you have an opportunity, to go back. Uh, Today, though, we're going to look specifically about this idea of how do we connect to the kingdom that Jesus is referencing in those Beatitudes? How do we connect to the kingdom that he came to bring and that we talked about last uh, week? Today, we're going to talk about prayer. And specifically looking at Jesus' teaching on prayer and connecting and staying connected to the kingdom that he brings. Um, I have a core conviction, as I shared last week, that it seems, that especially the farther along I go, that everything good and meaningful in my life begins and ends with prayer. And so for those who are joining us in the 40 days of prayer and just making that an extra discipline in this time, for those who are joining us in the 21 days of fasting that started last week, uh, or any combination of those things, we welcome you to do that, and it's certainly not too late. Um, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and while you're turning there, I want to just give a couple of words, this is not related so much to the message, but just a couple things that God has been putting on my heart in this sort of theme of family, and some special things that I have just been observing from my unique vantage point here. The first thing I want to say, simply say is we've had a lot of families that have gone through uh, or are going through a season of grief uh, or loss, and I, I want to tell you how I have heard from so many of them the ways in which you as a church family have been there, and your prayers and your encouragement and your presence... Uh, has been felt and meant in some very deep and meaningful ways. And so I, I just wanted to publicly say uh, it's such a beautiful thing uh, to see the family of God uh, interacting in that way and supporting one another, especially our brothers and sisters who have experienced loss. So that was number one. The second thing when I want think about family is just special thanks uh, to you as a church family for uh, the tremendous uh, giving that you did at the end of last year. Um, it, was, it was, I think, uh, on record probably the, the best year-end giving we've ever had, uh, and I, I wanted just to publicly say thank you uh, for the many ones of you who are making that a priority and saying, hey, we want our ministries to be fully funded uh, and cared for, and it makes a huge difference. Um, But we just finished the year so well, and I wanted to publicly say, uh, as your pastor, thank you for your acts of generosity. On behalf of the staff as well, uh, you were generous with our team, uh, with uh, year-end love offerings and things like that. We just want to say thank you uh, for the the joy of serving you and uh, for your your graciousness on that front. Uh, The other thing uh, that I would say when I think about just this idea of family is at the end of last week we actually had a very sweet sort of time of prayer and commitment and having you guys come together uh, as a family uh, was a sweet moment and I I just sensed in my own heart uh, the love of Christ for his church uh, in kind of a unique way uh, that I don't always get to experience that and um, it was just a sweet family moment and so thank you for being just responsive and, and being willing to say, yeah, let's, let's step forward, let's lean in. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, today and that idea of just being active uh, and not passive as we respond to the call of God in our lives. Uh, so the series we're talking about is, uh, is through the Gospel of Matthew, Thy Kingdom Come. Jesus was all about kingdom, uh, his mission, the gospel of the kingdom, his message, Repent for the Kingdom of God is here. Uh, that's what he talked. About, we talked about last week. Uh, his prayer life was impacted, uh, as we're going to see today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we introduced this idea to you last week of the kingdom as a new reality marked by a change in proximity and priority and destiny and really when you think about the Beatitudes which can be so perplexing in a way of like how do I really get in step with that? I mean it's so backwards from what we're used to uh, thinking about as, as worldly priorities and yet it was those things that we see as a different priority, a different destiny, a different proximity. This is the kingdom. Uh, so, for those who are reading along in the Book of Matthew, we have the bookmarks, and those are at the info center. And so, follow along. We'll continue to go through together. But today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter six. So, so let me set the stage just a little bit. Uh, prayer is the fuel that will change the dynamics of discipleship. That will change the dynamics of leadership that will change the dynamics of outreach. And so if any of those things sort of resonate with you, to say, I want to be a disciple of Christ who's in step with him, you have to learn how to pray. If you say, I want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you have to learn how to pray. And if you want to have fruitful outreach uh, and not effort after effort on your own strength that doesn't show fruit, you have to learn how to pray uh, because prayer is what changes the, the dynamic. I used to really try to figure out where prayer fit In the scope of church life, ministry, discipleship. And I think I've just become more and more convinced that prayer is the starting and ending of everything that we do. So the question is how would Jesus call us to grow as a praying church? How would we end even today with an increased level of confidence in the fire that God might want to light under you today to say, I'm calling you to be a prayer warrior? Most Christians that I talk to don't define themselves as prayer warriors. In fact, many of us say, like, I don't pray as much as I should. I don't really know how to pray. Uh, I don't feel confident in that area of my life. And so by God's grace, my hope is that as you leave today, you leave with a little bit of a, a greater fire. Now, I understand some of you, you're already prayer warriors. You're already getting it done. You're going after it. So maybe today's message just lights a little bit of that fire, throws a little fuel on it. Praise the Lord if that would happen. Uh, there are some of you here today that might even respond to that call. It's, I think God is actually making this a thing in my life. That he wants a new reality to take root for me to be a praying person. And uh, we trust that this will give you sort of the, the, the when and the, the how and the why of, of prayer today. So we're going to trust that God does that. Matthew 6, I want you to read with me. We're going to give a little bit of context to the prayer we just prayed together a few moments ago. Uh, in Matthew 6... Uh, 5-15 to is where we're going to read today. We have it up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along. So Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins it's a hard ending to that passage but I'm going to tell you why I'm keeping that in there for us today don't get distracted by it uh, but we're going to look at that in the context of the Lord's prayer in a few moments so may God add blessing to the reading of his word I want to start today with maybe just a little bit of a setting the stage I want to talk about when you pray Uh, I want to talk a little bit about why you pray and then the bulk of this message, we're just going to really try to equip you with the Lord's pattern of how do you actually pray? How do we actually do it? It's interesting that uh, this Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Luke actually comes as a response from the disciples who ask Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And the fascinating thing about this is they knew how to pray, They had been praying people, probably since the time of their youth, but they didn't know how to pray like Jesus. They saw something in the life and the ministry of Christ, the connection that he had with the Heavenly Father, that even though they were well-disciplined in the area of prayer, they said, we don't know how to pray like that. We need you to teach us how to pray. And that is really good news For any of us who have been in that place of saying, my prayer life feels sort of dry. I don't know if I know how to pray. I know about prayer because I've grown up in the church. But I don't know how to pray like Jesus. I don't have a connection with the heart of the Father like he had. And Jesus is patient. And he's a good teacher. And he's given us everything that we need to learn how to grow in this area of prayer. Now, when you pray. Let's just talk about this for a minute. I'm just gonna touch on these sort of quickly. When you pray. It's very interesting that three times in this passage, Jesus says, when you pray, do this. He never says, if you pray. He never gives this idea, even though it's probably very common to our experience, that prayer would be something that we would do maybe when the other things are done, or if we have time, or maybe it would be a nice bonus. Maybe someday we're gonna start to grow in that. He equated the idea that to be a follower of Christ and to honor God in your life and to be a pursuer of him is to be a person who prays. So it was not a question of like if you do this or if you don't do this. It was when you pray. He says it three times. A little reflection. This is from Edith Schaefer, who was the wife of Francis Schaefer, who was a famous American theologian. And she talked about being part of a praying community and the normalcy of prayer that frankly for many of us probably seems kind of foreign doesn't feel normal this is what she writes kind of a long uh, quote I have it here on the screen for you but I thought it was some really interesting insight she says common sense Christian living takes place in an atmosphere where prayer is as natural as breathing as necessary as oxygen and as real as talking to your favorite person with whom there is no strain I love that phrase Just think about the favored person. There's easy to talk to, no strains. This is what prayer is like for the believer or could or should be. As sensible as reaching into the bag of flour for the proper supplies for making bread, to live without prayer, she says, being woven into every part of every day is stupid, foolish, senseless, or is evidence that your belief in the existence of the Creator is an unsure belief. In other words, to live with a surety of belief, this idea of when you pray should be a normal thing. Now, I know some of us, you're saying, like, I still don't know how to do it or whatever. We're gonna get there, but just understand and maybe get your mind around the idea that to be a follower of Christ and to be a kingdom person is to be a person of prayer, period. There's no change. Now, let's talk about why you pray. We're gonna touch on this real quickly. In some ways, this feels like common sense, But I know that your life and my life often may show that it is not that common. Why do you pray? You pray because this is the link connecting you, an average ordinary person, saved by the grace of God if you're in Christ today. It connects you to the kingdom of God. Prayer connects you to the heart of Jesus. Prayer connects you to the flow of the Holy Spirit, period, Like there's no other way to stay connected to those things if you're not a person of prayer. So a Christian who is not connected to those things, now listen and hear me on this, bears immense and unnecessary burdens. A Christian who is not connected to the things of God through prayer is vulnerable to the enemy's attacks and will ultimately be powerless and unstable instead of walking in communion with Jesus and on mission with Him. That's why we pray. Now, I'm speaking to you. Some of you have have immense and robust prayer lives. And I'm going to tell you here in a little bit why that is such a blessing to this church family and a blessing to me personally. I want to grow as a man of prayer as a pastor of prayer as a dad of prayer as a husband in prayer all of these kind of things So I've not arrived in these areas and yet I realize the truth that to be disconnected from prayer is to invite immense and unnecessary burdens that frankly I don't want to carry and I don't want you to carry I don't want our church to carry so it's interesting as we said before Jesus' disciples come to him and they say Lord teach us to pray What were they saying? Teach us to pray like you. And what he ends up giving them, we see the when of prayer and the why of prayer. What he gives is the is the how of prayer. And it's so beautifully simple that you could be five years old here today, and God might be ready to start lighting up lighting a fire under you as a prayer warrior. You might be 105 years old, and God would say you're not done learning it yet. And yet it's so profound that every one of these elements, you could write books and sermons uh, ad nauseum on these things. It's so deeply profound. So what we are talking about is when we have the encounter with Christ through prayer. That's what we're going for. And uh, here's something that I would just share with you, sort of five elements of an encounter with Christ. What are we actually asking God for for our people, for those that we love, for our church, for ourselves? One of those things would be high worship. That there's, when you encounter Christ, there's a natural response of worship, and we have already had the opportunity to do that today. There's a sweetness in our worship. See, we don't have to, it's not rocket science, we don't have to make it harder. When we gather together and lift up the name of Jesus, there is embedded in that circumstance the opportunity for high worship. For my heart to be aligned with the heart of Christ, to be exalting him, and to be lifting him up. So high worship, deep repentance is the second one that always seems to follow the presence of God. And this is, a, this is such a welcome thing because when I get my heart and my mind around deep repentance and I'm not afraid of that, we've said this before, I'm starting to get my heart in line with the heart of Jesus. So it shouldn't surprise us that every place that we see deep repentance, we find the encounter with Jesus to be very real. So high worship and deep repentance, forgiveness of sins and freedom from strongholds. We're going to talk about this in, the, in Jesus' pattern here in just a moment, uh, but this is where we don't stay the same. When we encounter the presence of Christ, high worship, deep repentance, we actually start to get set free and our lives begin to change because God is in the business of changing people. This is where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where we are empowered for ministry. This is so vitally important that you understand this. I was so blessed last week. I I was watching young men sit here kneeling, praying. They're asking God. I don't know what they were asking God, but I'm assuming that God was speaking to them about some things that He had for them. Uh, I, I want you to understand that when God puts a burden on your heart to be a kingdom person and to step into your sphere of influence... He never expected you to make that change on your own strength. He didn't call you because you've got everything together. He called you so that he can empower you through the empowering link of prayer and allow uh, your life to be set on fire. So you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm working on his strength and not my own. I'm empowered for ministry immensely farther than I would ever to be uh, on my own. So I've noticed a little shift in my prayer life. Um, The shift in my own prayer life is that I have recently found myself saying very little of prayers I used to pray. I used to pray this a lot. I say, Lord, I, I need your help with this, and what I meant was, I have a pretty good plan in place, <laughs> but I need your strength to help me kind of get it done or whatever. That's sort of—I mean, I, I didn't mean it in a bad way, but that was kind of the posture of my prayer life. And I think more and more, I find myself saying, God, I have absolutely nothing if I have not received from you period and what has been happening in my life is that the result is often a more fruitful uh, greater confident sense born out of genuine weakness you know it, it's I don't have to come to you with a sense of false humility to say well as long as you think I'm being humble it's false humility and that doesn't honor the Lord But I think I'm getting to the place of being able to say, God, I I really can't do this. God's saying, hey, I got a great deal for you, man, because my power is made perfect in weakness, right? So there's this this shift of being able to receive from him more. And I don't know where you're at in that journey, but I want to encourage you with that. So here we have Jesus with a, with a bit of a pattern that he lays out. So simple a child can understand it. So profound the oldest among us and most mature can still grow in it. Let's just talk about how you pray. We're just going to talk about this for the remainder of the time. And then I've got a couple wrap-up thoughts. So how you pray. Look at what Jesus said. The Lord's prayer pattern uh, is the most foundational prayer That was ever given it's the words of jesus himself i love the simplicity of this you know teach us how to pray jesus i'll teach you how to pray it's like this and and look what he didn't do he didn't give like the theory of prayer and then say figure out how to put that into practice he gave the practice of prayer he said start with our father you know, so we're actually just going to look at the, the, the pattern that he gives us here. A lot of this is deeply inspired by my friends at the College of Prayer. There's some guys that I've been running with for a while now. Fred Hartley is a mentor in my life and Amy's life as well. And uh, we've been so blessed to grow. In fact, I'm going to talk about that later too. You grow from learning when you link up with people who know and have been there. And that's actually a part of, of your journey forward as well. So I'm just sharing some of these things that we have gleaned over the years of running with them. So here's seven things, and and we'll do them relatively quickly. The first thing Jesus does is he says, okay, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. And that is a fascinating way to start your prayer. He didn't say almighty distant God. He didn't say the unapproachable holy light. He said our Father who art in heaven. Now this is fascinating to me for a while because all true prayer is begins by receiving God's love and recognizing the relationship, that is the first piece we see, relationship that you have with Father God through Christ. Now here's the interesting thing. We're going to get personal with you for a moment. Most of us deal with some level of father wounds. It's probably the most common thing that I hear as I talk to people, men and women, most of us deal with father wounds. Even those of us who have really good dads can say, you know, there were some things that were really hard in my growing up. You see, the role of the father, and this is important for you because we've got young dads here, so you got, you're going to get a double blessing uh, you got a du- or a double task today, right? The role of the father is that you have a unique calling to impart the destiny and identity of God into the next generation. And I'm not saying that moms don't do that at all, but the dad has a unique voice to speak the identity and destiny of God to the next generation. So why does the enemy go after that relationship in such a way that most people that I talk to, even those who have a great dad, but I never knew how to talk to him? We hear that a lot, right? Great dad... Never knew how to talk to him. I've talked to other people who say, I don't know if I had a great dad because he was never around. Got a sort of an abandonment wound in my life. That's real stuff. The interesting thing is, while that can become a deterrent to be able to say, oh sure, I'll pray our heavenly father, that sounds great. What Jesus is doing is actually bringing us back to the place often of our greatest need. Jesus brings us to a place of healing prayer in the first line by simply introducing it and reintroducing us to the perfect Father who will never let us down. Now, I want to say this too. This is important. The reason that most of us are dealing with a father wound is that it's a generational issue. Your dad didn't know how to be there for you because his dad didn't know how to be there for him. It's something that is imparted, which is also why as young dads that are here, some of your young dads, I mean, I'm telling you, this is the price of admission for you today. Listen up, just write this down. Your task is to say, beginning in my generation, I will begin to impart the identity and destiny as I bless the next generation. That's huge. Most of us didn't have it. Even those of us who had good dads, maybe they didn't know how to bless us in that way. So Jesus brings us to the right place of healing prayer, reintroducing us to the perfect Father who never let us down. So that's number one. That's the first first thing. Our Father in heaven. The second thing in this prayer pattern is this. Worship, hallowed be your name. We see that all true prayer responds to the revelation of the glory of God's name. And it's appropriate to declare the value of His name. We emphasize the names of God particular especially to our circumstances in fact isn't that what we're doing today as we gather in worship we're lifting up the name of Jesus we're hallowing his name I want to simply encourage you in this way as you pray you look for the intersections of God's character and your deepest need we already did that today right we already said Lord here's my deepest need But we're looking for the revealed character of God. So we say things like looking at scripture, Jehovah Jireh, God is my, do you know what that stands for, that means? He's my provider. Jehovah Rapha, God is my healer. Names like El Shaddai, he is God Almighty. Uh, El Roy, this is so, so powerful, so simple. He's the God who sees me. You know, when you hallow the name of God, when you lift up the name of Jesus and you're able to say, the God who sees me. That is a powerful statement in and of itself. So we worship, right? We don't run past that. We start with our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. We, we worship Him. And the third piece we look at now, we see the Lordship. So relationship, worship. The third one we see is Lordship. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is a scary one. This is a really scary one if we're serious about it. Because this is where we open up our hands to the plans of our life, which are often very well defined, right? We got them all figured out. We know what we want to do. We want God to do for us, everything. God, here we're going to pray about it. But that's actually not what the Lordship part of this prayer is. It's your kingdom come your will be done this is the agonizing prayer of Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane where he's going I'm looking at the pain the weight of this salvation plan Jesus looking at the cost of the free grace that you receive and he says Lord if this cup could pass from me but not my will your will be done So he lived it, he taught it, he modeled it. He calls us to live that way. It's a scary thing. It's a mark of a true Christian. It's a mark of a true disciple of Christ that we come to the place that we learn what it is to surrender. And we do that in prayer. We do that continually in prayer. So so, uh, lordship is a huge one. Once we declare the glory of his name, we call for the advancement of his kingdom reign. It's part of our identity because we are recipients of an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12 this kingdom that does not run on the tracks of power structures of this world, which is why the Beatitudes are so confusing and appealing all at the same time. The fourth thing we see, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, this fourth one we're gonna call sonship or daughtership for my brothers and sisters here. Give us and forgive us. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us Our debts. When, when I think about this and try to put it into real life and how Jesus taught it and everything, think about the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son, give me my share of the estate. This is a, uh, not done well, but this is what the child would say to the parent. You who have, I'm asking you uh, to give to me. And then once he had squandered that, the, the prayer now is, I need you to forgive me. I need to be reinstated. And we actually live that out. Two basic needs that we have as children of God. One person said it this way. You know, a parent offers food and forgiveness. Think of, of God. He brings in the groceries and he takes out the garbage, right? I mean, that's sort of parental duties of God that we see in prayer, especially in this area of sonship or daughtership. Um, give us our daily bread. Lord, we need daily bread. Lord, we need daily mercy, forgiveness. Um, this aspect of prayer, as well as the next two, all fall under this beautiful umbrella that I've talked about a lot up here, and I've shared several ways with you of receiving prayer. And I'm, and I'm, I'm speaking this to you because this has probably been the single greatest change in my prayer life over the last 10 years, is learning that I need to receive uh, so, so the sonship the, the give us this day our daily bread yeah you can say that as a snarky bratty kid give me what I want but the posture of saying Jesus prayed it he said go to your heavenly father and say I'm ready to receive I'm ready to receive that is the single greatest change that I have seen in my prayer life and I can't tell you the level of freedom and the level of hope that that brings me because essentially it speaks to all of the places where you don't have, right? It's, I mean, that's it. It's that simple. It's that basic. This is what I don't have. This is what I need. I need wisdom. I need direction. I need forgiveness. I need provision. I need all these different things, and that's what follows here in these coming things. So the sonship, daughtership, it opens the door to this receiving prayer that continues through. Verse uh, the, number five is fellowship as we forgive. Our debtor, So we are forgiven as we forgive, which makes sense then why verse 14 and 15, which sound really stark when Jesus says them. Enough so that I was almost like, maybe I shouldn't read them right now in this passage because it might be distracting to you, but that's why they're there. Because with the forgiveness that we have received from Christ, we have restored relationships with one another. We're able to extend forgiveness. That's a supernatural work that God calls us to. Uh, Leadership is number six. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The two greatest enemies that you will face, especially if God's saying to you today, you know, I'm stepping in to a calling to be a man of prayer. I'm being a woman of prayer. I'm stepping up. I'm being a young man or woman of prayer. You better believe that That part of the equation is, as one person said, Amy and I love this quote, so it said to us, when God shows up, everybody shows up. You know, So when God starts to show up in your life, you better believe that you're going to have to deal with the flesh. You're going to have to deal with the enemy of your soul. And so the leadership prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Your two greatest enemies are sin and Satan. This portion of the Lord's prayer pattern confronts both of them at the same time. And then the last piece is this. It's an ownership piece. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus did not include this in Matthew 6. But we believe that all prayer moves toward Christ's ownership over all things. With a sort of a Colossians 1 mindset. And while it is likely that these words were not originally included biblically. They were probably used by Jesus. And certainly have been useful to followers of Christ through the ages. So. Teach us to pray. That's a great question. Lord, could you teach us to pray? The disciples walked with Jesus, knew how to pray, but didn't know how to pray like Jesus. Jesus wanted them to be kingdom people. Jesus wants you to be a kingdom person. Understand what it is to stay connected to the kingdom. So you've got to learn how to pray. So we can actually start by simply saying, Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. And then I love that he lays out a pattern for us that is not theory about prayer. It's not books that you can read on prayer. It's just here's how he prayed. And then he says, I love that he says, check your motive. Don't babble like pagans. You know, you don't need to, you don't need to be doing this to, to be seen by other people. Check your motivation and all that stuff, but learn to be connected to the heart of God. What would your life look like if you had a greater connection through prayer to the heart of God the kingdom of God, the flow of the Holy Spirit. That's my encouragement to you. Today, as we talk about prayer, we said earlier, prayer is the fuel that will change the dynamics of discipleship. Prayer is the fuel that will change the dynamics of leadership and outreach and so much more. We're looking at how Jesus would pray so that you will never actually have to feel lost in prayer again. That's, what I'm, that's, that's the gift I'm giving you today. That's the gift Jesus gives us. You never have to be lost in prayer again. I remember when I was a college student, I was getting serious about my walk with Jesus, and so I got to learn how to pray. So I would go out in a field on a starry night, and I'd sit at the, you know sit in the presence of the Lord, and I'd look at the starry night, and I I don't really know what to do now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess I'll just talk to Jesus a little bit. I've, I learned some things along the way. But I know what it's like to feel a little lost in prayer. I'm not sure where to go. Well, Jesus prayer pattern. You never have to be lost. Start with our Father. Hallowed be your name. You might stay on that for a half hour. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom, power and the glory forever. I want to give you there's a couple encouragements. So that's the message to you, okay? That's how you pray. So go, let's, let's get out and do it. Um, here's, here's a couple encouragements. I started with three. My list grew to 10. Some of these you might not want to hear, so it's fine to just over it. But if one of these helps you pray a little bit, or lights a little fire, praise the Lord. Um, here's the list. My encouragements to you. Um, number one, learning about prayer is not the same as praying. <laughs> Uh, I've sort of em- emphasized that in this message a little bit, but just, uh, just note that, okay? It strikes me, learning about prayer, you read books about prayer, you can listen to this message 15 times, you can listen to better messages and better preachers on prayer and everything. That's not the same as praying. So our tendency is to slide into, we talk about praying, we think about praying, we plan to pray. Uh, the beauty is, Jesus says, just, just pray. Start, start to pray, be a praying person. So learning about prayer is not the same as praying. Just note that, that's number one. Number two Active prayer beats passive prayer. So, what do you mean by that? I was thinking about last week when I asked you, said, hey, let's step forward in a kind of connection time. We're going to make a commitment in prayer together, and you guys step forward and we're praying or leaning in together. That's active prayer. And what what strikes me is that I don't think there is ever a biblical account of God moving through passive prayer. And by passive prayer, I mean like sort of I can sit here, I can go through the motions, check the box, put my time in, whatever. And you've, you know what that's like. We've all been there at one point or another. We're very passive in our prayer life if it's sort of a, a, a pulse there at all. As opposed to leaning in. Passive prayer is when you tell somebody, oh, I'm going to pray for you on that. You know what I mean? And you don't. You know what I mean? It was, a, it was an idea about praying. And active prayer is when we say, you know what, let's huddle up. Let's go after it. Let's pray right now. Let's ask God to move. So sometimes we need to do it. So that's that's active prayer. Just maybe ask God, Lord, help me to be active and not passive in my prayer life. See what he tells you about that. Uh, Number three is don't get stuck in the hypothetical. Uh, What I mean by that simply is it's very easy to get into the heady discussion of how prayer works and would God do more if more people did this or if I prayed longer, da-da-da. And while those may be great discussions to have, it's all hypothetical and usually when I'm having that hypothetical thought structure in my mind, I'm not actually praying and so don't be distracted by the hypothetical uh, in an effort to say, no, I'm asking the Lord to light a fire in prayer. That's number three. Number four uh, look for biblical promises on prayer That's awesome it, There's tons of them That's a whole, that's a whole sermon series I'm not going to do it for you right now uh, There are tons of biblical promises on prayer If my people who are called by my name Will humble themselves, seek my face uh, Turn from their wicked ways I'm going to hear from heaven uh, I'm going to look and I'm going to heal their land uh, That is a biblical promise on prayer That you can pray into You don't have to come up with all of your original ideas or thoughts about prayer. Look at what God's word already says on it. Uh, In the same passage of scripture, ask, seek, and knock. Look what Jesus says about that. So look for biblical promises on prayer. That's four. Number five, seek out and learn from praying people. Uh, I love that we have a church that there's a lot of people here. I, I look at you and I go, teach me how to pray. Like you've been there, you, you, you know it. You've, you're laps ahead and so just learn from one another but look for people who know how to pray and get with people. If you want to be serious about growing as a prayer warrior, learn from other people who know how to pray. So seek out and learn. You've got a, a, a treasure trove even sitting around you today. Um, number six, pray with people who are important to you. This is a big one, Right? I'm going after dads earlier what, just think about this mom or dad you got kids you pray for them you pray with them I know it's, it's, well, it's awkward I don't want to force I don't want to da, 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 whatever let me, just, let me just put it out there if you have important people in your life you should learn how to pray with them like, this is when Jesus was like, when you pray. You know, he didn't, he didn't say, well, it's, you know, if you have an opportunity, if the pastor forces you to, then you pray this way. whatever. No, look for it. Be, be proactive. This is active praying. To say, the most important thing in my life is understanding the heart of God. I'm going after that. I want my kids to understand that. So we started praying for our kids before they were born. I know many of you did the same thing. We started praying with our kids before they were able to hardly babble and talk. And we continue to do that. Pray with your spouse, important people in your life. And I know, listen, I know it's it's an awkward one. I know there's probably, you immediately feel a sense of guilt as soon as I say that because you go, we don't pray together. We're too busy. uh, We don't, it's, you know, it's all that guilt and just, we just dismiss that guilt in Jesus' name. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm saying it to say there's opportunities all around you to learn how to pray with people who are important to you and as a husband and wife if you're joining life together get some connection with your spiritual roots so you can say we're going to go after this and then there's actually a great joy in this i'll just jump down real quick to to number eight because some of you're saying yeah but i don't even know where to start use the words of jesus oh man it's so simple he says how you should pray so if you have that awkward conversation today with your spouse or your kid or Grandpa, or somebody, you say, I feel like we should pray together. Say, hey, why don't we just pray the Lord's Prayer? He gave it to us. He said, This is how we could pray. Start with that. I skipped number seven. Pray for greater hunger for yourself and for others in your life. That's an ongoing thing. We pray that for you. Pray that for me. I need that. Uh, number nine, make a specific attainable commitment to grow in prayer this year. Maybe there's something God wants to light a fire in you. Don't try to do 18 things today, but maybe there's a next step that he's saying, here's, here's what I want you to go after. See what he has for you. See what the Holy Spirit has for you. Um, and then the 10th one is just dream big. You know, what does that look like to say, we want to be a church that is grounded in prayer. we want to be a family that's grounded in prayer. I wanna be a leader that's grounded in prayer. You know, what would that begin to look like as God stirs in your heart. it probably cost you something. I guarantee it'll cost you something. But I think you will be glad that you did it. God's gonna do some good things. So anyway, that's some practical things. I just wanna encourage you to to dream big. Um, Worship team's gonna come up and uh, lead us. I wanna just pray for you. Um, If you would just stand. I know today was a little bit longer message. Thanks for hanging in there with me. I wanna just pray a prayer over you and uh, ask you to receive that as the team comes up to lead us. Uh, Consider this. We started the message with the map of the Beatitudes. If a person wishes to find me, Jesus said in that video, this is where he should look. Well, in prayer, may we become more like the kind of people who are ready to encounter Christ and ready to stay connected to his kingdom. It is an imperative that we understand this and embrace it well. So, in that spirit, would you pray with me? You can open hands up if you want to, just in a posture of receiving. I like to do that. So, Lord, uh, we are grateful today. As we look to you, Jesus, you are the head of the church. You do good work. And, Jesus, you are a patient teacher. I can imagine (laughs) you could have said to your disciples, what do you mean, teach us to pray you should know this by now and yet you're a gracious and a humble teacher and you walk alongside us I, I just think you, you love the small steps of obedience even when we just say Lord here, here I am teach me to pray light a fire in my heart today help me to be a kingdom person help me to be connected with the flow of your Holy Spirit help me to be more effective in the spheres of influence that you place me Help me to be a father who blesses my kids. Help me to be a husband or wife that prays for one another. And just, Lord, we're, we're not going to receive the guilt of the enemy. We're just going to receive the calling forward of your Holy Spirit today. So teach us to pray. Show us what you want to do in a praying church. We are grateful for your patient presence with us. Teach us to love you well in this area as kingdom people. We pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey team, you wanna lead us in that spirit? Let's do it.